Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Daniel, please, the book of Daniel. We're going to start in Daniel, please, chapter 7. Uh, I've got a, a, an interesting word for you that I have to say uh, was inspired by something, by someone, actually, uh, who doesn't know it, but I'll share who it is a little bit later. That's one of my old friends. And uh, we're going to start in the book of Daniel, chapter 7. Well, let's dig into the word. We're going to be uh, kind of going on a journey here as we examine the Word and think about our lives and think about some spiritual principles. We're going to start off with some things, and we're going to kind of take a little bit of a left turn, and, uh, and, and then we're going to see how and if and how it all might connect a little bit later in the message. The Jewish prophet Daniel had a great vision. I'm reading from the Tanakh, of course. The Tanakh, as uh, Yoel was talking about a little bit earlier, uh, very much connected, the the Old and the New Covenants, uh, and it's one book, my friends. The Jewish prophet Daniel in the Tanakh had a great vision uh, in which he saw much of the future, including the end of days. Wow, have you turned on the news? We are really uh, at least very much headed toward the end of days. It seems pretty clear to me. Amen? Within this prophecy, Daniel sees a battle, and then the coming of the Messiah, the Messiah also known as, of course, the Anointed One, also called the, the Son of Man. So Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, we read this, part of this vision of that which is still yet to come. He said, I was watching in the night visions. Behold, one like a Son of Man coming with clouds, with the clouds of heaven, it's the Messiah. He approached the Ancient of Days. That's our, our God, God the Father, and was brought into His presence. Dominion, glory, sovereignty were given to Him that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will never pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Woo! Wow. That is a powerful look at what is going to happen. You want to read the symbolic last page of the book, there you go. You just heard it, okay? Pretty, pretty powerful stuff, this vision that was thousands and thousands of years ago still foretells that which is to come and the things in the world today line up 
toward Daniel's prophecies, a powerful look at what will, of what will happen. Similarly, let's go to Revelation chapter 11, please. We're going to hear a, a very similar refrain. As I said, and as Yol alluded to, the Tanakh and the Brich Hadashah, Old and the New Covenant, again, one book, one story. And we see in the book of Revelation, uh, in John's vision of uh, that which is to come, Yochanan, we see something described in the book of Revelation uh, about that which is to come. And of course, we hear of this same final battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world that are yet to come. And so we, we see this, this, uh, this climactic um, confrontation between the, the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. And, uh, and, and of course, it's all centered on Israel, no surprise. Okay, and, 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 and it is so huge and massive, and the, everything is shaken that can be shaken. And it culminates after the seventh trumpet. Listen to what the angels said. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. It says, Then the seventh angel trumpeted, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his anointed one. And he shall reign forever and ever. Wow. What a day that will be, my friends. Do you see the symmetry between Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 11? It's the same story. It's the same message. Old and new covenants, very similar in terms of the the contents of, of the conclusion of what the visions are talking about here. This, this climactic battle in, uh, in the most epic of ways, better than anything Hollywood could have ever come up with, this clash of worlds, this clash of kingdoms that happens, and then the Lord reigns and his kingdom reigns, and we know that he will reign forever and ever. Amen. That's powerful. Amen. Wow. We've all seen the little kid struggle with the decision. What am, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the little kid who struggles. That you can tell that the little kid is struggling with their decision. What decision? Mom says, do not eat the chocolate cake. <laughs> Do not eat the chocolate cake. But mom is not around. <laughs> Mom's not around. And little Jimmy wants the chocolate cake. <laughs> little Jimmy wants that chocolate cake. So what? Does little Jimmy do? See, this is this moment of decision. What does little Jimmy do? He's, 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 he's contemplating, he's thinking about it. Cameras. Sometimes you see 
these little kids set up a little better or for whatever reason, their cameras around it. And sometimes you can see cameras recording the dilemma that you can actually see on the face of little Jimmy. You've all seen this on YouTube where Jimmy looks and just looking at that chocolate cake and looking around. Nobody's around. Just said chocolate cake's just sitting right there. And it's like, Oh boy, you can see on Jimmy's face what's going on in Jimmy's mind. You know, it's like that there's there's something going, there's a battle happening right there in Jimmy's mind. You can see it. You can see it just on his expression and his reactions. Like, whoo, man, that chocolate cake. Whoo, that looks good, man. He wants some of that chocolate. But mom said, don't eat any of that chocolate cake. Okay, you all know exactly what I'm talking about. He knows he should not have it. He knows he should not have it, but he wants it. He wants some of that chocolate cake. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Who wins in this internal tug of war within him? Who wins? You know, it depends. It depends. Sometimes what gives it away is Icing on the face, you know? <laughs> Jimmy, did you eat any of that chocolate cake? No, no, I didn't have any of the chocolate cake. What is the icing all over your, your mouth for? What? <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> It's Oh, Jimmy. See, Jimmy, Jimmy's just not, not old enough to, to cover his tracks very well. Very, very interesting. Now, we look at this story almost like it's cute, and I understand why, because you know, you can see it and you can you can understand, you kind of empathize with Jimmy, with everything that's going on there. But I'm gonna tell you something. The truth is that is that this is the exact same battle that is fought within us every single day. It's the exact, exact same battle that is fought within us, you, every single day. Now, we may not reveal the battle by a sheepish grin or looking around or the, or the crumbs on the counter, right? But make no mistake that we also battle this within ourselves. What do you mean, Rabbi? When a friend or, or a spouse does something you don't like, something you don't like, They do something you don't like, and you choose in that very moment whether to be critical or sarcastic or whether to speak in a loving tone or or whether, for that matter, if it even matters enough to speak at all of it. See, in moments like this, brothers and sisters, 
I'm telling you something, there is a battle going on. There is a tug of war that's happening within you too. We see it so clearly on the little toddler thinking about whether or not to eat the chocolate cake. We cover it up a lot better. But bottom line is, is there's that battle going on in you and I each and every day. And in turn, for that matter, if your friend or your spouse does say something to you that seems unkindly critical, how will you respond on the other side? So maybe they say something to you, well, how are you going to respond? Oh, you see, boom, there's now a battle within you that's brought on by something that maybe you had no control over at all. You had no intention for there to be a battle within you. You you didn't see it coming or desire it, but suddenly, boom, you win the battle. You may not recognize it as such. See, friends, this is not a theoretical or a theological exercise. This is real life. These moments of decision come up all the time with us, all the time, with everybody here, at work, at home, at school. These decisions, these moments where you have a choice, where there's a a battle going on within you. How do you react? What do you do on the road? (laughs) At the store, on the internet, What do you choose on social media, watching TV or movies? It's a little bit cliche, but it's kind of like that old visual of the the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. (laughs) Which one you going to listen to? Which one you going to listen to? To a certain extent, that's a little bit like what's going on. We don't see it. We don't acknowledge it. Oftentimes, we don't even think about it. But best you know, there is a battle that's happening, and it's regular. It's pretty much nonstop. Romans chapter 7. Please, Romans 7. Very interesting to think about. We see it so clearly, and it looks quaint when the little toddlers got the chocolate cake in front of them, and you can see on their little face, they're going through a decision, and they're vexed by what decision they're going to make because they know it's right. But that that's right to do, they don't want to do. Why? Because their flesh wants to do something else. Their flesh wants to do something else. They know in their mind what's right. But the flesh wants to do something else. The flesh wants the chocolate cake. I want the chocolate cake. Y'all, listen, look at me. I want chocolate cake. (laughs) Laughed a little too hard at that joke, but uh, that's okay. (laughs) It's true. I want chocolate. We all want chocolate. Our flesh desires to be fed with pleasure. That which we want even if it's contrary to that which we know is right. This is a common refrain that 
everybody battles to a different level or extent in our lives. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're the youngest teenager here or if you're 102. It's something you're going to be battling for the rest of your life here on this earth. And this whole battle was not lost on the followers of Yeshua, not in any way, shape, or form. In fact, it is very explicitly addressed in a very vulnerable way by Rabbi Shaul, Paul the Shaliach. They got it. They got this, this, this battle that was going on within us. Romans chapter 7, we're going to skip around a little bit, starting verse 15. Listen to what Rabbi Shaul says, Paul the, the apostle, the Shaliach, the messenger of the Lord. Listen to what Paul says and relate to it, brother or sister. And if you don't relate to it, then you are a liar. <laughs> okay, Romans seven fifteen. Paul says this, the great and mighty, incredible man of God, Paul, says, for I do not understand what I am doing. That sounds, sounds like a comedy routine. I don't understand what I am doing. For what I do not want, this I practice. What I hate, this I do. How very interesting, isn't it? What I don't want to do, I practice. What, the things that I hate, that I do. Verse 19, for the good that I want, for the good that I want, I do not do. But the evil that I do not want, this I practice. <laughs> Skip any verse 22. For I delight in the Torah of God with respect to the inner man, but I see a different law in my body parts battling against the law of my mind and bringing me into bondage under the law of sin, which is in my body parts. Wow. See, we see in this Shaul telling us that, that he has this battle within him. Yeah, some of you may sometimes think, well, I've been in the Lord a long time. I'm pretty mature in Messiah. Great. You think Paul was pretty mature in the Lord? Yeah, I think he was. I'm going to tell you something, beloved. I think he was probably more mature than you and me in the Lord. And yet he says, <laughs> I don't understand what I'm doing. <laughs> That's what he said. I don't understand what I'm doing. That which I hate, I do. And the good that I want to do, I don't practice. Wow. That is really transparent. That is very honest. Oh, man, I hope you can relate to that at some level, at least. At least you can relate to this battle that's within us. He wants the chocolate cake. He says, I feel it within my body, my mind. I know what I should be doing, but my body's trying to tell me something different. I want the chocolate cake. 
the the music group Petra in the Believing World has an old song. It's called Jekyll and Hyde. You know it, Mark. Jekyll and Hyde. That's a great song. And I, I love that song. The song is taken from Romans chapter 7. And the song says in part, and I quote, Sometimes I feel like Jekyll and Hyde. Two men are fighting a war inside. I have this secret that I let nobody see. It's like a split personality. And the one I feed is the one who lives. The one I starve is the one who gives. Wow, that's based on Romans 7 and describes the battle that is within us. We all have this battle within us. Remember, Rabbi Shaul was a strong believer even. And he talks about how there was this battle within him. That which he knows that he should do, he doesn't do. And the things that he knows he should not do, he does. Ugh. I think that we've all been there at one time or another. I think we've all been there at one time or another. Because here's the honest truth. Sometimes we resist the chocolate cake. And sometimes we got icing all over our face. Because we eat the chocolate cake. Even though we know we shouldn't eat the chocolate cake. Chocolate cake? Shouldn't be eating that chocolate cake. Not right then, not right now. Maybe mom will give you a piece later. After you've eaten your vegetables. <laughs> vegetables? Rabbi, this was a good message until you mentioned vegetables. I understand. You know, it's, it's that rare person. God bless him. I wasn't blessed with that gifting. He's like, ooh, give me some vegetables. All I want is lots of vegetables. Every once in a while, I meet people like that, and I just kind of like, uh, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. The truth is, is that I just got to resist envying them. <laughs> That's the truth. You know, it's like, wow, what a blessing to, to love vegetables. You know, it's like, wow, man, God, you didn't bless me with that. I don't know. I don't know. Lord, <laughs> help me love vegetables. Is, is that, you know, is that too simple to say, Lord, please help me love vegetables more, you know? <laughs> you, you hear what I'm saying. Okay, why? Because we, we all, but in life, and I'm not just talking about food, we all want the chocolate cake. Here's the reality of it. Here's the reality of it, friends. Get ready. This is very interesting how this all plays in together. There are two kingdoms here. This is what's going on. This, this, is, this is a something epic. It's epic. There are two kingdoms here. Each is fighting for supremacy in your life. Each of these kingdoms is fighting for supremacy. Who's going to win in your life? You know, the, the angel on the one shoulder is symbolic of the kingdom of the Ruach Elohim, the spirit of God within you, seeking to guide you into making good, godly decisions. 
this symbolic devil whispering into your flesh, whispering evil into your flesh, seeking to guide you into giving in to that which leads to destruction. That's the kingdom of darkness. See, it's about two kingdoms, friends. See, at the core, what this thing is about is it seems very pedestrian or banal. It is not. It is something that is quite intense, quite epic, quite dramatic, quite important. It is a, it is a clash of, of, of kingdoms. And they're fighting for sovereignty over you and me. And by the way, this world. Matthew chapter six, please. This brings us to Yeshua's model prayer. So very interesting. And one of the things that he says, see if you, if you understand a little bit about this, this dramatic conflict between the two kingdoms that are trying to fight for supremacy in your life and in the world, then you better understand Yeshua's prayer, his model prayer to us which is of great importance, right, Cameron? What does Yeshua say at the beginning of his model prayer for us? Matthew 6, verse 9 says this. Yeshua says, Therefore, pray in this way. Our Father in heaven, sanctified be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, O oh God. You see, this is our prayer. This should be our prayer. This should be your prayer. See, when Yeshua is saying this, he, he uses his words carefully, and part of his prayer is, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mentioned to you that this message was kind of inspired, really, by a friend of mine, something I heard. I'll tell you more specifically. And, and you're going to understand, wow, how this, it just spoke to me when, when my brother, my mentor, was, was saying this. I've, I just saw it on a video that he sent out. I, I was watching a video recently from one of my mentors, Rabbi Eitan Shishkoff in Israel. He's a dear brother that's spoken into my life uh, numbers of times. When I was in, in rabbinic training and our family was living in Israel, I, uh, I mentored under him and a, a couple of other senior guys in Israel just to learn. Rebetzin studied under the Rebetzin there, Connie and others. And and uh, and boy, boy, Rabbi Eitan taught me so much. He's in the the Kiryat Yam Haifa Bay area. And recently, this is only in the last week or two, he shared in a video, and it was really directed more, in many ways, to his own congregation, his son-in-law now, uh, Avi Shalom, my, my dear brother, uh, leads that congregation, along with his uh, wonderful wife, Hana. And Eitan shared that he had a word that the Lord has been impressing upon him. And it really ministered to me the word that the Lord shared in and through him. And first, though, you have to understand, of course, they are going through such incredible pain in the land right now. 
I cannot even tell you how much pain they are going through. The world has mostly turned against them, and the rest of the world is only a little bit with them. Just a little bit with them. And yet they are the victims of this. None of this would have happened had they not been attacked. The media bias is overwhelming. Anti-Semitism is no longer hidden, even in this country for that matter. But in Israel, friends, wow, in Israel, there's daily mourning of her sons and daughters that are in harm's way and too many who've, who've paid the ultimate sacrifice in the fight against terror. I have heard from many in the land that the people are weary and really, really hurting. It's one of the reasons we need to be interceding for them. Please come to the prayer meeting on Wednesday. And it's in this context, in this atmosphere of pain, really, and mourning that Rabbi Eitan shared the word the Lord gave him from this passage. This is what Rabbi Eitan said, I quote, Yeshua prays to the Father, Thy kingdom come. Tavo mochut cha. But we have to understand that the kingdom will not come without war. We don't love war. We don't want war. We didn't choose war. But the kingdom of God will not come without war. End quote. Wow. That spoke to me on so many different levels. Achim v'achayotz. Stop for just a minute and think about it. When he shared this, it, it just really took me and moved me. And I began reflecting on these words that he shared. And think about it for just a minute. In any land, at any one time, there's only one kingdom. Remember the Babylonians, the Babylonian captivity, the Babylonians took over everything. The Babylonian, okay, the Babylonian kingdom was vanquished by the Persian kingdom. Boom! And a new kingdom was established. The Israelite kingdom destroyed the Amalekite kingdom. Whatever it is, any war that you can think of is, is, is a contest of kingdoms. We know what's happening in the Middle East right now is a battle of kingdoms. Rabbi Eitan was sharing this word that if we are asking for God's kingdom to come, then we have to recognize 
that there is a battle. If you're saying, oh God, thy kingdom come, then you gotta recognize there's a battle coming. At the beginning of this message, I read the account of the battle in the end of days from the angels. They said what? They said what? I read it earlier. They said the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he shall reign forever and ever. See, friends, one kingdom through war vanquishes another kingdom so as to reign. That makes sense. You with me? Say amen. Now, the people of Israel today are indeed going through a physical war. Rabbi Eitan was reminding them that to take a kingdom is a battle. Nobody wants war. Even King Solomon said that there is a time for war, and when war comes, friends, we have to fight. Now, the truth is that they are fighting a physical war in Israel, but beloved, we also are fighting a war. Each of you, each of us are fighting a war. See, remember when I read earlier that Paul said what? I see a different law in my body parts battling against the law of my mind. What is it? That's a war. He says there's a battle going. He actually used the word battling. That, that, is, a, that is a war term. There is a battle going on. There's a, there's a war that's going on within him, Paul says. Beloved, you are in a war. You may not think about it because you don't have to run to a physical bomb shelter or hear the sound of rockets or, or sirens, but we are in a war with the adversary of our souls. Each day, every single day, the battle is fought. And honestly, some days we win, some days we lose. Some days we resist the chocolate cake that we're not supposed to have, sometimes we eat it. When we pray to God, thy kingdom come, we are praying for God's kingdom to vanquish the kingdom of the evil one. And that's true within us personally. I'm talking about within you, in your personal life, in your own experience day to day, when you pray thy kingdom come, when you pray thy kingdom come, you are praying, Lord, help me make better decisions. That's what you're praying in part. Help me make better decisions. We are praying. We're praying when we say, thy kingdom come, because it's an internal battle that's within us. Thy kingdom come in my heart, in my life. We're praying that we choose not to speak harshly to our spouse or to our friend. That's what we're praying for. 
When we say thy kingdom come, Lord, that's, that's saying, Lord, help me, help. Lord, I want your kingdom in my heart. I don't want to speak harshly to my spouse, to my friends. When we say thy kingdom come, we're praying to choose to regularly come to services. I don't really feel like it. Of course you don't feel like it. That, sometimes you feel like it, sometimes you don't feel like it. When you don't feel like it, that's when you really need to come. So you got the chocolate cake. What are you going to do? See, there's great blessing, and I've heard so many people, I can't even tell you how many people I've heard come and tell me, Rabbi, I did not want to come to I just didn't feel like I wanted. I just didn't want to come. What is that? It's our flesh. Want to just take it easy. Sit in front of the, sit on the lazy boy and just, you know, watch TV or get some extra sleep on Saturday, whatever it is. We don't want to come or watch a, 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 a a service. We, we just want to do what we want to do to, to please our flesh. I can't tell you how many people have said, Rabbi, I am so glad I came. The Lord spoke to me. The Lord encouraged me. I am so glad I came. I am so glad I watched that. I get emails all the time from people. I, I'm, I, I'm so glad that I watched the service online. When you say to the Lord, thy kingdom come, you're praying to choose to put others above ourselves to choose not to look at things that we shouldn't look at, to choose to shun pride and selfishness. That's what you're praying. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, there's the macro level, but there's the micro level too that's within us. You see, Praying for God's kingdom to come is not purely an intellectual exercise. It's not an exercise that's purely about the end of days. It's a recognition that we are in a war, a war against our very souls. Do you recognize it? Friends, many don't even recognize that we're in a war. Many don't even recognize that we're in a war. I'm talking about people who are followers of Messiah, believers. It's so interesting because with everything going on in, within Israel right now, if you study, if you actually look at facts, you can pretty easily see all the propaganda that's being released against Israel right now. I mean, if you're just being just straight, intellectually honest, I'm not even talking about like in a spiritual believer sense. I mean, if you're just being logically, intellectually honest, you can see the propaganda that's released against Israel. It's just so much propaganda. What am I talking about? Just, just to give you an example about the disproportionate nature of the attack against Israel in the world and in the media. It's disproportionate. Friends, I'm not saying that Israel's perfect. I'm not saying that, that there are not people in the, in the Israeli army who sometimes do things they shouldn't, and they should be held accountable for it. They're, they're, they're bad apples in every bunch, my friends. So I'm not excusing that. Neither am I uh, ignoring or not lamenting the loss of, of innocent or civilian life. I very much care about innocent civilian life in Gaza. I really do. It's one of the reasons why Israel wants Hamas out of there is because they're putting the civilians in front of them to protect them. 
knowing how moral Israel's army is. I mean, if you look at it fairly, just honestly, just look at the data, then you can see the propaganda. People talk about this is disproportionate. I've heard people on the news, this is disproportionate in the history of war. This is such an unbelievable genocide. You hear this stuff. Even if you take, even if you take the numbers by Hamas, at this point in the conflict, they say around 28,000 have perished. And again, we wish none would perish. 28,000. Israel says 14,000 of them were, were Hamas combatants. That would leave potentially 14,000 tragically. Even if you take the worst case scenario, take in Hamas numbers, tragically, 14,000 civilians. The world... The Syrian civil war a few years ago, between 300 and 400,000 civilians killed. 300 to 400,000 civilians killed in Syria. Well, but that didn't involve, okay, the war against Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. 50 to 100,000 civilians killed. I didn't hear anybody telling America, let's cease fire from, from trying to get Al-Qaeda. No, no, no talk about that. 50 to 100,000, look it up yourself. Look, look it up on uh, an, an AI, on your AI feature. Just ask the question, what, what are the civilian deaths in the Afghanistan war? How about the Iraq war? 150 to 200,000 civilians killed. 150 to 200,000 in Iraq war. Vietnam, 2 million civilians killed. Korea, almost 3 million civilians killed. We mourn the loss of any civilians. Please hear me. But do you see the disproportion of propaganda in the world? We're talking about relative, because it's the Jews. And we look at this, and what do we wonder? We look at this, and we see the disproportionate nature of the, of the propaganda. And we, and we say, it's so clear. How could people be so deceived? Right? We, we look at this and we see that within this battle that's going on, there's this propaganda war, and, and, and how could people be this deceived? Yet we don't realize that there is propaganda in our own war against evil within our own lives. We make excuses all the time as to why we do what we want to do. It's our own internal propaganda that's going on in our heads. We can see it externally in something like this, but when it's internal, it's a little bit harder for us to discern. Why? Because it's fighting against our flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but powerful through God for the tearing down of strongholds. We are tearing down false arguments. Hello. And every high-minded thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah, ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. See, it says it here clearly, friends, we should be waging war 
I'm talking about within ourselves. We should be waging war against the adversary and we should be tearing down these false arguments that tell us that we should do things that in truth are according to and benefiting of our flesh. We should be fighting against that. Think about this. And it's a moment in time, that casual moment, when you decide what to say or when you decide what to do, that very moment when you just decide in your head, I'm gonna say this. These words are gonna come out of my mouth. The, I'm gonna allow these thoughts to fester in my head. I'm gonna believe this. I'm gonna convince myself of it. I'm gonna believe this. What is that? That is a moment of warfare. Right there and then, in that very moment, there's warfare going on. There is a battle going on. It is a spiritual battle. It's not flesh and blood, it's, in this, it's spiritual battle. Right in that very moment, when your spouse, when your friend says something to you a little sharp, how are you gonna react? The words are coming out of your mouth. They're coming from your mind, coming to your mouth. Whoop, what are you gonna do? What's the battle? The battle's being fought right there. Who's gonna win? What do you do? You, you, you give it back to him. Give it back to him. Yeah, that's what you're gonna do. Give it back to him. Great, you just lost that battle. You just lost that battle. You see? Each and every one of these moments is a small battle that's going on. So are you waging war? <laughs> I'm gonna ask you this. Listen to this. Are you waging war? Now I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna answer the question. You're waging war whether you like it or not. You're waging war whether you like it or not. Make sure that you're fighting for the right side and are for the kingdom of God, amen? And regarding the war that we are in, it's easy to get discouraged, especially when we lose sometimes. Friends, maybe we don't win every battle. It happens, in, it happens in real war also, as we know in Israel. Similarly, in our own life, we don't win every battle against the adversary of our souls. We sometimes succumb to our flesh and choose poorly. That said, I go back to the passages I read at the beginning of the message because these passages should encourage and uplift you in your battle because the word of God says his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will never pass away. His kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he shall reign forever and ever. So take heart, Chavarim. We just have to keep fighting the good fight. The title of my message is, Thy Kingdom Come. Let's bow our heads. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. 
we would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Nine, nine, nine.